The next portion of our scripture reading continues on in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Gracious God, speak to us through your sacred scripture, through your perfect word, through my imperfect words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've got a secret for you this morning. Jesus heals. But don't tell anybody, okay? Don't you dare tell anybody. Jesus heals, but don't tell anybody. Keep it to yourself. Jesus healed in our scripture, reading many different types of maladies, didn't he? Some we might call physical, some we might call spiritual. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes, isn't it, between an impure spirit, something that can make you sick physically, and a physical sickness that can make you sick spiritually. I had someone come to me recently who was explaining her maladies to me, and I honestly could not tell if it was a physical thing or a spiritual, emotional thing. I said, you got you to go get checked out at a doctor first, though, to make sure it's not something like that. We speak in this passage of demon possession and Jesus throwing out demons, don't we? And you know, there's little, little talk at all about demons and demon possession and that whole thing in the entire Hebrew Bible, the entire Old Testament. And you know, there's really not very much talked about that subject through most of the rest of the New Testament. It's mostly all around Jesus, the stories of Jesus. <laughs> it's like demons were nowhere to be found until Jesus arrived on the scene. And then, pardon the expression, all hell broke loose. And that's when the activity, maybe it's because 
You know, even the evil spirit can recognize the good and the authority of God. <laughs> Maybe that's why they seemed to come out of nowhere when Jesus walked this earth. They said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. They recognized Jesus. Be quiet, Jesus told them. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Mark says in verse 29, immediately after they left that synagogue, after he'd cast out those demons, they went to the home of Peter. When we went to the Holy Land, I showed you some pictures of that synagogue at Capernaum. How it was built in layers, and I think I showed you some pictures of the home of St. Peter, which is nearby. In fact, archaeologists has, have excavated that, and there are all kinds of Christian symbols on the walls of a big room in that house, and many scholars believe that the early church, or one of the early churches, met here in St. Peter's house that's been excavated But the healing of his mother-in-law, that wasn't, it wasn't all that dramatic, was it? In terms of other healings we have in scripture, that wasn't all that big a deal. Except that, well, it, it does kind of verify what I shared with you earlier, how this is Peter's gospel told to Mark. Only Peter would have known and been there. His mother-in-law. I love the part when after his mother-in-law is healed, did you notice? She got up and waited on them. <laughs> Here she's been sick in bed the whole time, and she gets healed, and she gets up and starts waiting on them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And after this, of course, news about Jesus kept spreading, even though Jesus kept telling people, don't tell anybody. Multitudes came to see Jesus the sick, the spiritually impure, the possessed. That evening, after the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed, the whole town gathered at his door, it said. And Jesus healed many of all kinds of diseases, spiritual and otherwise. He drove out many demons. And notice he didn't allow the demons to speak because they knew him. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. I've got a secret. Jesus heals. Don't tell anyone. And then after all this activity, Jesus needed to get away. He needed some time away. He needed some time to be alone, didn't he? After those long labors and people chasing him, he needed to get by himself. Very early in the morning, it says, while it was still dark, he got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place and prayed. That's not uncommon. Several times in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes away to a solitary place to be alone to pray. And when Peter found that Jesus was missing, he, he said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you which is a nice way of saying, where the heck have you been? All these people are banging at my door looking for you. Where are you? This place is filled with seekers. <laughs> this place is filled with seekers. Everyone's trying to find you, Jesus. And how did Jesus respond to that? Did he say, fantastic. 
let's start a church here. <laughs> no, it's not what he did, did he? Quite the opposite. He said, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to someplace else, this nearby village, so that I can preach there also, because that's why I've come. That's the primary reason I came. Let's go to the next town so that I can preach. The multitudes were following him, looking for a healing, not necessarily for the truth and the preaching about the kingdom of God and our part in it. They wanted something. And there's nothing new about people coming to Jesus wanting something, wanting to fulfill their needs. But I think Jesus is saying here, I didn't come to this earth primarily to do miracles. I came primarily to preach and teach about the kingdom of God, to teach the truth about that. And there are so many people following me looking for healing that I can't do the primary thing I'm called to do. <laughs> so let's get out of here. Let's go someplace else. We're just like that, aren't we? We come to God in prayer, in worship. We often want something. We want something out of this experience. That's why we come. We may be sick. We may need some kind of healing physically, spiritually, or otherwise. Our bodies may hurt. We want something. We want more than just to worship God, that's for sure. More than just to hear about the kingdom of God. We want something. And there's nothing wrong with that within reason, as long as those personal wants don't get in the way of our primary reason for being here, to worship God, to learn more about God's kingdom and our part in it and making that happen. You see, Jesus was not going to be diverted from his primary mission because everyone was screaming for his power because of his popularity. They all wanted him to do something, to give something to him. The, these people were caught up in my power, Jesus is saying. So let's get out of here so I can resume preaching and doing what I'm supposed to do. That's the reason I came. Probably the most moving healing story to me in all these stories here and elsewhere in the gospel is the one about the man with leprosy we read. A man came to him and begged him, if you are willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing. In the ancient world, there were many, many, many different skin diseases that were classified generically as leprosy. Seventy-some, I read recently. Every kind of skin lesion or boil was generically classified as leprosy. Which variety? Was it Hansen's disease, that dreaded one, the worst form probably, that had profound implications for the individual and the community forever? Or was it something else? Have you ever read Leviticus? Some of you have, I know. Though I'm convinced Leviticus is the one book that stops people from reading through the whole Bible. <laughs> you read through Genesis, yeah, there's some good stories there. You read through Exodus, there's some good stories there. It's easy to read. You get to Leviticus, you got all these laws and these codes and all this 
stopped. He said, okay, I can't take this anymore, and we quit reading. Well, if you've ever read chapter 13 and chapter 14 in Leviticus, it talks all about leprosy and what the priest had to do and what the person in the community had to do. When anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them, and if there's a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it's a chronic skin disease, and the priest shall pronounce them in unclean. That's just a couple of verses out of a couple of hundred verses of all these different prescriptive things that the priest had to tell by looking at the person's skin disease. You see, they didn't have doctors and public health officers in those days. It was the priest who had to be the protector of the community. It was the priest who had to look at those skin diseases and say, ooh, we gotta quarantine you because <laughs> you could make everybody else sick. It's a tough job. I'm glad pastors don't have to do that today. That was a tough job. Whether it was a swelling or a, a minor thing or a major thing, it's just, it's amazing the prescriptive things. You have to be isolated for seven days, you have to wash seven times, you have to do all these things before you're allowed to come back to the priest or come back to the community. Oh, some of you have been through that kind of thing with various skin things, haven't you? I, I had a number of skin things cut off me last week. I know many of you have been through that too. No big deal. Just waiting to see, you know, if, it's, if they're benign or malignant. It's the waiting. It's always kind of fun and hard. I understand that. You've been through that. It's no big deal, though. Ever gone to the doctor for a biopsy and waited, knowing that it was probably malignant or been relieved when you heard that it was benign? Well, you see, if a Jewish person at the time of Jesus saw anything on their skin at all, it brought terror to them. Because first of all, they had to go to the priest and the priest had to determine whether they were contagious to the community. I mean, it was a dreadful physical malady, but it was more than that. It was a dreadful spiritual malady, too, because it separated you from all of your friends and your family, the entire community of faith. And leprosy was never healed in those days. Leprosy was never healed. And you could never go to the temple again. You could never enter the gates of Jerusalem. You had to live alone. You had to wear clothes that were falling apart in rags so people could tell that. You looked like a homeless person. You had to cover your mouth. So that, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So people could see you coming. And you had to yell unclean if someone was coming towards you so that they could steer away from you. So this man in our gospel reading, he, he was not allowed to come within 50 paces of another human being. And if he saw someone approaching, he had to yell unclean. He'd been to the priest, he'd been examined, and the verdict was that he had leprosy and he needed to quarantine. 
He left his family as like he was a homeless person isolated from all human contact. And then, despite what Jesus told people to do about his healing miracles and not tell anybody to keep it a secret, somehow this guy with leprosy hears about this miracle worker, Jesus. It's his last hope. He knows that Jesus is in the neighborhood. He breaks the law of Moses. He runs up to Jesus, says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I know you can do it, please. Verse 41, it's pretty interesting, Jesus' response. And it says, Jesus was indignant. <laughs> Jesus was, here's this guy with leprosy on his knees, begging for Jesus to heal him. It says, Jesus was indignant. <laughs> well, I'm not convinced indignant is the best translation of the original word. The original word behind that word that's translated here in the NIV, indignant, can mean emotion, it can mean passion, it can mean anger, it can mean a lot of things. The only way to do it is to try to understand it in context, because it can mean all those different things. And maybe because Jesus was a bit angry that the crowds were following him and he wanted to move on to the next town, and maybe that's why these translators translating it, translated it indignant, I don't know. But it could just as well be interpreted passionate or with compassion. With compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he said, I'm willing to be clean. And immediately, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So here our Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless one who is to do the will of the Father, who is to obey all the commandments, breaks the law of Moses and touches this man with leprosy and violates the law. And why does Jesus violate the law? <laughs> well, it's not the first time and it's not going to be the last time. We know that. It's because Jesus has the authority, as we read earlier in this passage. He has the authority to set aside the whole law for his own redemptive purposes or for our redemptive purposes. The people were amazed at his teaching because of his authority. It's like, it's like when a traffic light is red, we know that it's against the law to go through it, right? Except, well, when the police officer's standing there and he waves you through because the police officer has the authority to violate that law, right? You see, Jesus is the embodiment of that law as well. He's the enforcer. His presence is the authority. Jesus says, yes, I can cleanse you. Yes, I will cleanse you. The power of Jesus was shown by the authority of his word. Just as God brought the world into existence by the authority of his word, Jesus does the same thing. And then the leper was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. It says, don't tell anybody. See that you don't tell this to anyone. Go show yourself to the priest. Obey the law of Moses. Go show yourself to the priest. And notice it said in there, why did he have to go show himself to the priest? Well, because it was the law. That was their procedure to be 
declared clean again, but also it said, show yourself to the priest as a witness or a testimony. What did it say there? Uh, as a testimony to them. What a testimony. Because priests knew that once you had leprosy, you were never well again. <laughs> Go show yourself to the priest as a testimony to what the word of Jesus can do. Go to the priest. Follow the law of Moses. Give your offering, the sacrifice according to the law of Moses. But give a testimony of what Jesus can do. The rabbis used to say at this time that it was harder to heal leprosy than it was to raise someone from the dead. <laughs> That's what a testimony it was. Imagine that testimony. Imagine that witness to the priest who had declared this man unclean, to see him now clean and healed from this impossible-to-heal disease. See that you don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Jesus told the same thing to the demons, too. Be quiet. Don't tell anybody who I am, even though you know, you know who I am. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out demons. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Much is made about this messianic secret theme that's in Mark and it appears over and over and over again. We'll see it again. We'll talk about it again. Why is that? Why would Jesus want to keep his amazing power secret? Why would he want to do that? Why is Jesus so reticent for people to know who he is? Well, as we've seen in previous stories already, people are quick to misjudge Jesus, to think he's something other than he is, to misunderstanding, to misunderstand the primary purpose of his calling, as we read today. And so perhaps Jesus is just reluctant to reveal completely who he is at this point in his ministry, otherwise everyone's going to run to him and prevent him from preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. That's a practical way of looking at it, maybe. So Jesus says to the man with leprosy, I'll take care of you, but be quiet about it. Don't, don't pass this around. Sometimes that's the way it is when, when we help somebody, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll let you in after hours to do this thing, get you food, but don't tell anybody I did this. <laughs> sometimes we're like that aren't we Jesus says to the man with leprosy I'll take care of you but be quiet about it but notice the man didn't notice it said he began to talk freely spreading the news perhaps Jesus said to keep quiet about it and not to spread the news because Jesus knew the best way to spread the news was to tell someone you have a secret? <laughs> and tell that to a select few people and say, don't tell anybody? <laughs> Maybe that's the best evangelistic strategy we could have. I don't know. 
Yet people still came to him from everywhere, the scripture said, despite the fact he told people not to tell about it. I hope people will still do that. I hope and I know that Jesus will still reach in and touch you and heal you in your uncleanness, spiritual or physical or otherwise. And I praise God for the touch of Jesus in my life and in many of yours. You've shared that with me. I praise God for that. So I've got a secret. You've got a secret. Jesus heals. Don't tell anybody, okay? Okay. 